Welcome everyone. Uh, we're here today um, with Alish Spetik from Cube Sensors, who has a legacy of having been a Seedcamp founder at a previous startup. Um, and I'll let him walk through that. But also in the room, we have our very own Dave Haynes. Uh, say hello, Dave. Hey, hey, everybody. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about your background, Dave, uh, with regards to what you were doing before and sort of kind of the view on product that you have? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's, it's exciting to be on a podcast. I haven't been on many podcasts, but um, for, for five or so years, I was working at SoundCloud, and we were all about audio and, and all about podcasts. So, um, yeah, really excited to be here. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess that's me. Cool. Um, we thought that leveraging Dave's experience in, in building products and also um, Alish having been himself in the software uh, product side for his first startup and now moving on to a hardware startup that we would explore some of the difficulties and some of the challenges uh, around hardware startups because I know many of you are considering you, know, you want to build the next uh, Tesla. Um, so maybe start with something a little bit smaller and perhaps understanding some of the, the challenges both in terms of design, um, quality control, uh, production, logistics, uh, shipping, and all the little details in between. So with that, um, tell us a little bit about your background, Alish. Um, well, hi, it's exciting to be here. Um, well, I've, I have an engineering background. I even did a bit of programming in the past century, probably by now. Uh, but in the recent years, I've been in startups. Um, we, together with my younger brother and his partner, uh, we uh, founded Zementa, uh, which was the first seed camp winner in 2007, uh, which was very exciting. Um, a team from Slovenia came, conquered London. Uh, we fundraised in London, then went to New York, did, did the same there, and the company is fairly successful right now. Uh, I ran it for three years, and uh, when the company moved to New York, I stayed back in Europe, and started some new things. Uh, I co-founded a new startup, which was a spectacular failure. Uh, it, we basically tried to solve a problem for which nobody was willing to pay for, which was okay. What was the name of it? Uh, Deck Report. Uh, we tried to solve a problem about reporting to investors by startups. And I used that for a while. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you weren't willing to pay for it. Mm. Um, and, and, that, and that seemed to be a problem. So about three years ago, we basically started playing out with cube sensors. Uh, the idea behind cube sensors is that uh, because we spent like 90% of our lives indoors and we know the environment influences us in terms of productivity, comfort and health, we should know something about it. So we built this cube, uh, cute little cube that measures everything about the indoors, so temperature, light, noise, humidity, barometric pressure and air quality, streams the data to the cloud where we can uh, we can do some fun things with it. So, question on that. When you were coming up with that idea, did it feel like a very first world problem at the time? When you, when you mentioned it to people, were they pretty much pushing back on you and like, why? Um, well, the, yes, and we had a very good answer, at least uh, then, then it, it is very good because it was a time when uh, Fitbits and Joe Bones just uh, came about, uh, pe people were very excited about it to understand how many steps they make, what kind of activity they do. But on the other hand, uh, 
all these things need to be put into a context in terms of the environment. So we had the answer about that. Now, uh, the, the story behind it started three years ago, and it literally took us two years actually to launch, uh, which is probably uh, one part that you want to talk about. Okay. Uh, in a nutshell, hardware business is exactly like software business, only if you would have only four compiles available, and every compile would cost you 50,000 euros, dollars, or pounds. And that's it. All right. So uh, that's in a nutshell. The problem with hardware is that you simply uh, cannot iterate by uh, getting feedback from your customers. You can iterate by yourself, so doing prototypes, uh, doing tests, all of that. When you ship a product to Texas, it costs you 50 quid to get it there and 50 quid to get it back. Okay, so there's clearly a, a very big financial impact and also there is very slow iterative cycles of feedback. Yeah. Uh, and that's assuming that you ship a, a working prototype to somebody yeah. that can give you any kind of feedback. But maybe let's take a step back and look at the development itself. Um, so you had this idea um, and this idea obviously um, was you know, you had to drill down into what that meant. So one thing, when you, when you were presenting it to our audience, you were talking about, you know, measuring what's in, inside because we live there, there, there's some value there. But then you had to break that down into, well, what exactly am I measuring? What are the calls to action that somebody will have because they've measured their humidity or because they've measured their heat? And, and so I guess walk us through how you made the decision of what attributes this product should have. And then, did you go straight into hardware design? Did you first start with a software solution? Did you test the, the, an app? Did you put that out for there first? Just kind of like that workflow. Yeah. Well, the, the, the issue was that um, we started off with basically temperature. Uh, if you take a basic thermostat, uh, thermostats are notoriously bad in measuring temperature indoors out of two major reasons. Number one, they are usually mounted on the wall, which is the worst possible place where you want to measure temperature. And number two, they measure temperature only in one room of the whole house. While you are freezing in your bedroom, your, your living room is too warm or whatever. So we basically started to think, okay, what we can do about it? And we figured out that there is actually no, no device where, where we could measure temperature from that would be more useful, so we had to build one, one uh, by ourselves. Then we started to add what we can add to that. And we figured out that when you start adding different dimensions of measurements, so temperature, humidity, and noise, and, and all that, you get uh, an, an aggregate of information which is way bigger than if you look just at one thing. Uh, if you look at the, again, thermostats, the, the ones that call themselves smart right now, they're basically glorified on-off switch. Maybe have schedules inside and that's about it. Um, so we literally, because we were bootstrapping, by the way, uh, we literally had the technology and we were start, start trying to figure out okay, what we can do about it to make uh, an indoor environment more livable or more healthy, or more productive. And that was actually one of our biggest dilemmas, where we focus our attention to. Uh, do we want to go more into comfort, so setting the right temperature, setting the right mood lights and all that, or we go more into the productivity? Because again, productivity significantly influences 
Oh, sorry. Environment significantly emphasizes your productivity. So effectively, trying to decide whether you were going for a, a consumer market or an enterprise exactly. market. Exactly. Okay. And the reason why we didn't go to to the enterprise market is simply because we didn't have enough resources, cash, to finance the sales force and the long sales cycles cycles for the enterprise market. Okay. That was a very conscious decision. Yeah. And, and how, when you're doing that, when you're doing the research, looking at all the different sensors, um, it seems like sometimes when people approach hardware, they're, they're almost thinking from a standpoint of, you know, this is what hardware and these new components can do. Um, and I'm wondering if you, did you spend much time, how, how did you go about validating a, a problem or was it more kind of building from the other way? It was more a building from the other way because we, we simply had this thing which we felt that if we have data, we can do something about it. And it was only afterwards that we figured out now more than 30 scenarios what we can do with all this data with no, nobody else can. For example, we can tell when a window is broken or open without sensors on the window, simply by the feeling inside the room, the noise, the temperature, humidity, drops in air quality or increases in air quality and so forth. We can tell when... So security, in a way. Uh, yeah, well, basically the, the uh, indoor connected devices market divides, in my view, in three major verticals. One is energy savings, where everybody's heading to. So the fact that if you smartly uh, manage your energy consumption, you can save money. The second vertical is security which has enormous amount of problems, reliability, uh, privacy, and all that. And the third vertical is health slash comfort, where we try to be as active as possible. Um, another, for example, um, uh, another very interesting uh, scenario, which we can already cover right now, is um, we can tell you when your home is in high risk of growing molds, even months before that molds can actually be seen or it affects people. Damage so it's prevention. Damage prevention or health, uh, health yeah. pro protection. But now we've, we've already moved forward and start connecting our indoor sensors with other types of inputs. For example, if you have a sleep activity monitor, like Fitbit and Jobon, you can connect it to your bedroom cube and whenever you sleep poorly, we can correlate those periods of rest and sleep with the environment and basically tell you why you sleep poorly, not just when. Okay, so let me pause you there because I think for those of you that are building startups with lean methodology in mind and iteration, clearly this is a different way of, of thinking about a company because it's hardware, right? Yeah. So what advice do you have um, on how to curate uh, the customer segment and the use cases without being able to do this iterative stuff, did you, for example, did you do kind of interviews with security companies on whether or not having a home with cube sensors would reduce the premium because it would be able to register a broken window? Did you have any conversations with anybody who was involved in the energy consumption industry in order to validate that perhaps as an enterprise sale or for real estate agents? So how would you recommend a, a, a new startup thinking about entering the hardware space with these hypotheses in validating these ideas before embarking on the journey of actually going and making it? Well, actually, for hardware, there is a way better tool to validate what the market wants, and it's called crowdfunding. Uh, and it's actually brilliant because you get an instant feedback within a week. And fortunately enough, even if you try it two or three times, nobody resents you. Um, 
The problem with crowdfunding is, is that, it get, that it gives you a very skewed view of your audience. The rule of thumb is that with crowdfunding, you, you touch basically, we usually persuade between 2,000 and 8,000 um, buyers or, or su supporters, if you want. But it gives you a very, very instant feedback. The next step uh, for us was, were uh, home management solutions companies where we talk to. Um, and interestingly enough, the small ones, well, it, it's kind of logical, the small ones were very interested in getting a cheaper and better solution than the big ones. The, the big ones who, who sell you like 5,000 uh, euros worth of equipment to be able to switch on, switch off the, the light, uh, were not really interesting. It, it, interested in us. That gave us confidence that we are in some kind of a um, new space, disruptive mode, if you want, because we can actually deliver way more than the big ones uh, have. Okay. Mm. Um, okay, so now let's take us down that journey a little bit further. Um, you got some validation. It emboldened you into going further with the idea. Um, I know I subscribe to a couple of these sort of flipboard magazines. I don't even know which one I'm reading at any given point in time, but I remember seeing the Cube Sensors device and thinking this looks pretty sexy. Um, tell us about the industrial design. Like, how did you go about that process? Because if you're a software engineer and you've thought about this idea and you think this is great, how do I even start the process of moving from, you know, moving pixels to moving atoms? Yeah, and, and also one, sorry to jump in, but what, one step back from that is uh, actually before Seacamp, I was thinking of, of doing another startup and was thinking of doing something that would have needed hardware. And the problem in my head is, as you were kind of saying there, was actually what skills do I need on my team? Do I need a co-founder who has these skills? Do I just need a skills as a software engineer or a business guy and I can outsource some of the, the industrial design? Like what's the, what's the components that you need to start growing that out in a, in a successful blueprint? These are actually really, really good questions. Um, let me first start with, with, with the target audience. In hardware, we have three possible target audiences. One is consumer, the second one is enterprise, the third one are developers. Example of a consumer is our cube sensors or an iPhone. Example of, of enterprise product are some big industrial devices that do something. In example of the targeted uh, are, um, developers is Raspberry Pi. When you decide what you go to, that clearly defines what you need to provide. If you go after uh, developers, you need to have the technical advancement. Nobody cares about how, how it looks like, again, Raspberry Pi. If you go after enterprise, you need a very clear ROI. You don't need that much of the, of the emotional appeal uh, and, and you need robustness. If you go after consumer, you need clearly an Apple-like product. Uh, and uh, more importantly, you, you really don't have to look that much on the uh, enterprise. The, the elasticity of the price is not that big of an issue with the consumer if you provide the, the emotional value. Having said that, we, we, we decided, okay, so clearly we won't go into developer's market because that would be simply too long to develop. We won't go in, into the enterprise market because we cannot finance the long cycles, so we go into consumers. We are two co-founders, 
one tech, one business. I'm business, my co-founder is tech. The third employee was actually a, uh, the, a community manager. So a person who communicated with English every single uh, individual who was willing to give us feedback, who was willing to talk to us, uh, who created a story behind us, and so forth. The fourth uh, employee was a designer. If my core advantage is an emotional appeal, beside the tech and all that, then I need to talk to the consumers, to, to my users, and I need to design it really, really well. I would never outsource it. Uh, the one thing that I might outsource from this story is the actual the manufacturing. However, because we were bootstrapping, we weren't able to afford it. So we had to do that, and so the, the number five was a person who takes care of our manufacturing. So it was a very clear process of what we need to address and uh, what kind of resources do we need. So walking through then that, that deductive reasoning as to why you ended up with the B2C product, um, how much as a CEO did you work on this design? It's like how much, because it might happen that you found the right people and you know you hear all these stories yesterday uh, we, we heard uh, a couple of um, CEOs sharing their stories about how much they were very much involved in, in making sure the culture and the brand was exerted into the product. How much can you be a non-hardware experienced CEO and rely on a team to help execute that and how much should you step away or how much should you be involved in the design of, of that product? I was, not designed, uh, I was not involved in design at all because I know for myself that I have no taste. <laughs> uh, and but I I got people who understand that. What I did understand is that if we want to sell a consumer grade hardware, we need to have an emotional connection to our uh, customer base, and for that we can charge more, so we can actually afford smaller series. Um, I there is of course always a story about uh, Steve Jobs being the product guy and and all that. I I think the CEOs. I, I, by the way, I think that that's an ex exception, not a rule. Uh, the CEO's job is to provide resources, to provide direction, and to hire and fire people. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the iron rule that I adhere to. Um, I make sure, I mean, half of my job is actually selling or fundraising, so getting the money in. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that I have that I'm coming from a place where I can actually source some amazing ta talent. Uh, and because we are a small team, for me, setting direction is not that difficult because we sit together all the time and I continuously push it going, no, we're not going to the enterprise, we're going to the consumer because that's our core strength. So we, we, we can fo focus on that. Uh, so my balancing to two is that uh, getting really involved in a product, it really depends what, what kind of person you are. Uh, the only type of CEO which I find might have problems in a very early stage is a really, really core finance guy. Uh, because basically in very early stage you don't have any money, so finance really doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but if a person is rational enough to step, step one step back, uh, then I think that the the core 
of the core uh, job of CEO is setting direction, getting resources on board. Uh, and that's what I do. Excellent. And if you keep that sort of that, that spirit of, of, of resources, the next resource for a hardware company is actually where it's made, right? And I think the biggest fear that everyone has is I don't speak fill-in-the-blank language. Uh, that is where manufacturing will most likely happen, right? I'm not trying to say where the average location is. And I, I see in the bottom of the cube sensor here that we have that says designed and assembled in Europe. Uh, but um, we, we probably all have preconceived notions of where most of the world's manufacturing takes place. And maybe you can walk us through your journey, not only of selecting where it's made, uh, negotiating that, any kind of the things that, that you wish you could do all over again, uh, based upon that. Um, well, one thing, our cubes are designed and made basically in Slovenia. Uh, the reason why it says on Europe is because of the Americans explaining where Slovenia is, is <laughs> way harder than, than China. But, um, to link a bit to our previous uh, story, the, the one thing that we have outsourced is hardware um, engineering and firmware in engineering, because we figured out that that's not the core, uh, uh, that's not the core business we're in, designing really good, good, good hardware. Because if Samsung or Apple or any player in the world decides to go something to, to go after something similar like, like we do, their initial series is like 100,000 units or half a million units. For us, it's a few thousand. If you look at the, uh, at the iterations of the hardware, right, you need to be at the factory. If you bootstrap, it's way cheaper to bootstrap on gas than on plane tickets. If I decided to go to China, I would have to move there. And I would, I would have to move the whole team there. So that's why we decided we will do it back home. So we found smaller manufacturers who were willing to work with us, who were willing even to finance us a bit, because they find this kind of approach very intriguing. And that gave us uh, several advantages. One, one of it was extremely fast uh, iteration cycles. Uh, the second one is that we really learned a lot. When you are in an electronic manufacturer's factory at 5.30 in the morning, actually looking at the machine, you really understand how the process works. And to be honest, I, don't, I, I, I simply cannot fathom right now how I would do it uh, for the first time somewhere remotely. Uh, so if, if, if I do it again and just send some specs to China and hope that something will come back, no way, because we, we were not able even to spec it out properly. Mm. We, we, we had to be there. And whenever I talk to, uh, to uh, hardware startups who are now, eh, we, we, we'll do it in China. Well, that's, in my view, one of the core reasons why most of the hardware uh, products are actually late. We were not. Simply because when you are, when you start off, you, there are two problems. Number one, you don't know how, how to spec it properly. The second one, there are no real standards in hardware. Uh, there are a bunch of things that are unstandardized, unless you just take uh, Raspberry Pi, which is not really hardware, right? Uh, and you pack it in, the, in, 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 in a casing. When you're designing something like this, 
no standards and you have no experience. So be local and be close by. The last point, if you just made, price-wise, there is no price advantage in series below 10,000 units uh, of doing it in China or here in Europe. Simply because any reasonable manufacturer has a minimum order quantity of 10,000, the big ones even 100,000. They won't even bother um, to work with you, so you have to do it with the small ones, and then you have a pile of problems. I mean, you mentioned the you know the, the problem of you know when you're manufacturing elsewhere and the risks that your your product will actually turn up late. Um, I mean, I'm speaking as my own experience from a consumer perspective. Um, I've now bought three hardware products on Kickstarter in the last eighteen months, two years. Um, one was the the tile, um, which actually when it arrived on my doorstep, I had no idea what it was. I was like, did I order this? Um, because it was it was literally twelve months, eighteen months late, and I you know I got it. I was like, ah yes, this. I had to check through on my email to make sure I'd actually purchased it. Um, the next one was there's a really great project called Sense, which is you know sleeping the uh, uh, sensing the environment in your home. Maybe it's similar in a way to, to which hasn't senses. shipped yet. <laughs> yes, which hasn't shipped yet. Even though they have twelve million in funding. Yeah, and I, I had an email yep. from the what the the. the group email from the CEO yesterday said well you know we got some parts and you know one part wasn't up to standard so we need to push it back a couple of weeks well, and then the next one is a, a thing called own phones which is a, a pair of kind of smart headphones and, and again you know that's that's kind of I've had a couple of emails to set it off track so do, do we run the risk as there's more projects and as Kickstarter becomes that de facto is there a risk of losing consumer confidence which you don't really have in software because you have a much more on the web you have a much more intimate like instant connection with mm -hmm. the consumer who's interacting with you what is, is that going to be a hindrance uh, there are a couple of reasons just uh, a, a short story Tile uh, Tile has a competitor called Cipolo which is strangely based in Slovenia they shipped on time mm -hmm. uh, they went went for crowd sourcing basic crowdfunding roughly at the same time and they're manufacturing in Slovenia they're right. actually sitting in the factory mm -hmm. Uh, exactly the same technology. The big difference is, of course, the marketing, reach, and, 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 and all that. So that's one, just, just one example. In terms of the uh, hardware being late, the main problem is that when you are ordering 10,000 units, you're still too small to bother, right? When you're ordering a million units, every single factory in the world will jump around you and they will deliver. When you're a small one, you are the, in like below the ground on the totem pole of importance. That's it. In terms of connection to the consumer, interestingly enough, when you buy an app or a service, you might be pissed if the thing crashes. You will never call the company I want you, uh, the money back, this is, I don't know, this is fake, whatever. Even if the, the, the app costs is like 30 euros, right? If you buy a product for 30 euros, which is a hardware, regardless whether it is a startup or from Logitech or Apple, right? You demand exactly the same level of uh, pr uh, production reliability, uh, the same level of uh, performance and so forth. So it's a very tough bar for us. When you take my cube in your hand, you compare it to your iPhone. You don't compare it to 
the next beta release scrap app on the app storage. Yeah, yeah, fine, it's beta, it's going to get upgraded. My cubes are going to get upgraded. In fact, they're, they're being upgraded every two weeks remotely because hybrid actually works. But the performance is upgrading, but, but nobody cares. So we actually, uh, we, we actually have that problem. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be uh, solved yet or not, but we have that problem. There is one indication that the things are improving is that the big crowdfunding platforms are actually now calling the, the successful hardware startups, asking them if they would want to launch the next product on their platform because they are so messed up with the early stage hardware startups not delivering, uh, basically making their customers furious. So they now want to say, okay, so these guys already shipped. We'll do everything we can to push your next product. Just please come to us so that you launch a product so that we can build up our track record that if somebody supports something on a crowning platform, that they'll actually get it. Yeah, um, I guess like, you know, one other thing is as a consumer, you know, when you have a website, it's very easy to kind of iterate. You put out a version, you know, you ship another version an hour later, another version an hour later. It's almost as a consumer, you have to take a risk with hardware because you know actually that, you know, the first run of 5,000, 10,000 units probably will, you know, that's the first time, you know, you've had a prototype when you've, when you've been kind of building it, but that first version is almost, you know, a very early version and you might have paid a premium for it, but it might not be actually, you know, as good as it would be if you'd waited six months and, and brought it further down the line. That's why majority of the products, uh, that's why majority of the products uh, that are being bought online uh, by hardware startups are very early uh, stage supporters. Uh, they are bought by very early stage supporters. Even if you look at some big products like Nest is a great example. Nest is pushing through with their sales, but they've actually moved their sales towards their partners. So the, uh, 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 um, the electricity distribution companies are now pushing Nest out. If you look at, at their second product, uh, Nest Protect, they actually had a recall of 40, uh, 400,000 units. Right. Wow. Right, and this is like this is a big ass company. Yeah. Right. Um, they have, I mean, the resources are thousand x to mine. Yeah. Uh, so that all things happen. So whenever you buy an early stage product, you buy it uh, because of the emotional connection, not just because you need new phone yeah. or whatever new mic or new sensor. You buy it because you like new. Uh, cutting edge uh, product. Yeah. Talking about liking cutting edge products, um, investors like cutting edge products. And maybe as a concluding thought, um, you could share with us, you know, I know that you're very, very early still in your process of, of the company's growth. And in many ways, the reason why we wanted to have a chat with you, because you are very much in that stage where a lot of other founders are in. Can you share a little bit about kind of what investor sentiment is? Not just necessarily for cube sensors, but I'm sure you speak with other CEOs of, of hardware companies. What 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 is it? What are the variables that really make uh, investors excited in hardware, or actually completely put off by hardware? Well, the the put off part is easy. Number one, most of the uh, investors that I talk to uh, have problems with hardware because of working capital. Uh, 
requirements because they simply don't know how to handle that or they don't have no experience or they heard a horror story around it. The second big problem which I'm fighting often is that they compare, uh, quite often, they compare a hardware product company to a software product company, but even worse, they often compare it to a software uh, uh, software product companies where the software company is giving away their 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 ad for free. I've literally had invest investors, not just one, who said, "Yeah, we are only investing in companies that have more than million uh, customers." No, you don't. You are investing in companies that you that have more than a million users, right? For my cubes, for every single customer swipes the credit card and shows a couple of hundred dollars my way. Uh, so that's a big, a big problem. There are a few, a few, um, a few investors who understand that the hardware is not just tough, but on the other hand, it's a huge competitive advantage, right? Every single uh, company that's going after us needs another year to go to the place where we are, even if it's the big one. Um, so a competitive advantage, the defensibility of the market is still huge. Uh, but on the other hand, the risks are as well. So with the investors, um, it's even more true than in software that when you are fundraising, you need someone who you can rely on in terms of other things, not just uh, money. Excellent. Well, um, thank you for your time, Alice. It's been a pleasure having you here. It's always great hearing how the, the companies you've worked with and are helping uh, are progressing. Um, and yes, uh, we, we very much want to uh, perhaps give you a chance now to plug Cube Sensors. How can people go and buy it? Well, Just go to kubesensors.com and get your set. Excellent. Well, this is Carlos from Seed Camp and Dave uh, signing off. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.